Wouldn't you agree that the most important thing to people would be to have good relationships? I mean, that's what's going to count. That's all that really matters in the end. It's not going to be so much about our career advancement. It's not going to be about money. It's not going to be about uh, indulging in recreations and hobbies. It's going to be about the kind of relationships we have. And even more so for a person of faith because our main relationship was with God and then our second most important relationship is with everybody else, right? Jesus said the two most important commands are to love God and to love other people. But would you also agree that the past year has been pretty hard on relationships, right? We've not been able to hang out and socialize and fellowship like we used to or what we would like to do, right? Uh, It's difficult. To, uh, to even start new relationships these days. I mean, we, we, we hunkered down, we masked up, and we're walking around. We can't see each other's expressions, don't see each other's smile. Small children are even afraid to be around other people. It's been a pretty unhealthy time in terms of relationships. And we understand that it's not just going to happen because we all have this sinful nature, and so we're self-centered, and it's, it's difficult to get along with other people because we're all like that. I mean, it takes effort. And, and we're talking about healthy relationships because I'm sure that you've all had some unhealthy relationships that you've, you've gone through or maybe you're dealing with right now with uh, some codependency or some toxic people or some dysfunction. Some people just give up on relationships altogether because it can be so frustrating You realize most people who get fired from a job, it's not due to work performance. It's due to the fact they can't get along with people. Know anybody like that? All right. Pet owners, when they're asked if they had to be alone on a desert island, 54% would choose their dog or cat over a person. Truth. Because pets are easy to get along with, right? It's when we run up against people who have a, a sinful nature like ourselves, we realize You know, they're tough and some relationships are never going to be great. Some are going to weaken over time, but some will strengthen if we put the effort into it. Because let's let's think about it. We have a relational God, don't we? I mean, God is unique in that he is one God with three persons. And so that's why God can be love. He's always had a love relationship within himself and he didn't need to create us. He didn't need fellowship with anybody, but he wanted it. He chose to create us. And he created us in his image to be relational. It wasn't good, he said, for Adam to be alone in the garden. And it's still not good to be alone. We're created for fellowship, first with God and then with others. And those are the things that really matter in life. Good relationships are good for us emotionally, spiritually. They help us to grow because they force us to become more others focused instead of self-centered when we focus on blessing others and building up others we become better people in fact we really become more like Jesus don't we because he was the master at having good relationships with people you know uh, relationships become like that sandpaper that rub off uh, the, the rough edges of our character and help us to to be more like Jesus. You gotta have those opportunities to grow in your faith, to be more Christ-like by being around other people. Those kind of character qualities are listed for us in Galatians 5. They're called the fruit of the Spirit. Paul writes about them and says the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, peace, it's patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
Now, those are the kind of character qualities. Imagine if we live by those, those valuable virtues, how much different our relationships would be. You're never going to develop those things, though, in isolation. Relationships are the laboratory for trying those things out. And we try and we fail and try and fail. But eventually we get, we get better and we get more like Christ. So what virtues do you need to grow and what relationships do you need to work on? Because our big idea is to develop healthy relationships, yes, to benefit others, and to grow yourself. So I want to give you three things I think Jesus would tell us if he were standing right here that we could focus on right now. The first would be to choose relationships wisely. You don't always get to choose your relationships, but if you have a choice, make sure you pick well because scripture says bad company corrupts good character. In other words, birds of a feather flock together. Who you hang with is who you become like. People influence you, so you've got to be choosy on who you invest your time with. Now, we want to be friends with everybody, but who we actually hang out with, that makes a difference. You have to discern whether that relationship's helpful or it's hurtful. For a Christian, there's a lot at stake here because the danger is is that we begin to identify much more with the world than we do with God and his people. And in order to be accepted by the people of this world, we will do what it takes to fit in and go with the flow and adopt ungodly lifestyles to please them instead of doing what we should be to please God. So the, the caution is don't be so closely aligned with unbelievers that they pull you away from Christ because God has them in, their, in, in your life so that you can pull them toward Christ. And if that's not happening, maybe you need to cut off that relationship because it may destroy you. That's why Paul warns in 2 Corinthians, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple, that's us, and idols? We're the temple of the living God. Now Jesus was actually insulted by the the self-righteous for being a friend of sinners, like that was a bad thing. It's actually a good thing to have the kind of personality like Jesus that makes unbelievers want us to be around right Uh, because we're not being holier than thou and judgmental and all those negative stereotypes but understand Jesus was not a sinner he did not approve of their sin he did not join in in fact he says I came to call sinners to repentance the idea is he came to influence them not let them influence him so of course our relationships with unbelievers ought to be redemptive That is, the end result, the goal should be that we want to redeem them, lead them to Jesus, introduce them to our best friend so that they can be saved as well. Now, we're still going to be friends whether they accept Christ or not. But that's what real friendship is. And we're going to look at that next week when we talk about sharing your faith. It's important you learn that too. And it's crucial that you make sure you are in biblical community with other Christians. That's what the church is for. We need to be together with one another. That's what groups are especially for that meet throughout the week. Because that's where you practice the one another's. Right where scripture says to encourage one another. Pray for one another. Bear one another's burdens. Offer hospitality to one another. And so many more. That's why it's, it's important that we actually be together and that we don't let the screen become a substitute for fellowship. Now, if you can't make it to church, that's understandable. But if you can and you choose to, to stay behind a screen and just absorb content, you've missed what being the church is all about. We are a family. We are a fellowship. And the quality of our relationships is very important. Now, again, I said you don't always get to choose 
who you have relationships with, you know, because you work next to certain people or you go to school with certain people and you're like, these are not people I would normally befriend, but here we are. So what do I do with these relationships? Well, number two, I believe Jesus would say, build relationships with godly virtues. What are those? We just talked about them. Those fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5. So let's break those down a little bit more and see what makes for a quality relationship. And it begins with this. In a word, it's love, right? To be loving. That's the basis for it all. And I would imagine many of us could stand to use a little improvement when it comes to how we love other people. And the good news is God loves us so completely that he sent his son for us. And when we receive his son into our lives as our savior, he helps us to transform from the inside out. He changes our hearts. We begin to understand love better because we've never been loved like that before. So we're able to love others like that. We've, we've received this acceptance and this forgiveness and we're able to offer that to other people with this new heart that he gives us. What he's actually doing is he is using us as a channel, as a conduit. He loves other people through us. And it doesn't matter what your personality style is or your social skills are, he can help us all to love in a new and better way, to be a more caring person. See, the message and the model of Christ really forces me to love other people I don't necessarily want to love, people who are not nice, people who are not likable. Jesus says this in John 13, a new command I give you, love one another. That wasn't new. As I have loved you, that's the new part. That's a different kind of love, different depth and quality. So you must love one another. And by this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So it begins with loving one another as, as God's family, brothers and sisters. But we're also even told to love our enemies. Now that's a new way of loving because he said, you know, we've heard it said, hate your enemies. No, he's love your enemies, which tells us love has a different dimension than just your feelings and emotions because I don't feel love for that person who is so unkind and, and, and mean and rough and I don't want to be around him. That's okay because love is a command. God says you do that. So do loving things whether you feel like it or not. Love is, is an action. Why? Because I, I begin to look at people differently through the eyes of Christ. And God doesn't love us because we were so lovable and huggable and wonderful. He loves us in spite of that. So as we begin to submit to his, his lordship, we begin to experience that change in us. We're able to love others in the way that he loves us. Now, many of the other fruit of the spirit, I'm just going to sum up with this phrase. Be gracious. Because you think of the, the fruit of be, be kind, be gentle, uh, be, be um, patient. Well, that's just being gracious, right? Grace is being treated with undeserved favor. Again, God treats us in a way that we don't deserve, way better than we deserve. And so we can do that for others. And when, when you're in that kind of a right and good relationship with God... You, you begin to treat them in that way too. And that's just basic golden rule. A lot of people don't realize Jesus is the one who gave us the golden rule. He said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So how do you want other people to treat you? Well, do you want other people to gossip about you? Then don't gossip about them. Would you want people to be rude and snappy to you? Well, then don't be rude and snappy to them. Simple, right? But it's more than just going beyond the negatives of don't be this and don't be that. How do you want people to treat you? Well, don't you want to be treated with courtesy, with respect, with some tact, with patient listening, 
with encouragement? Of course. So you're, you're called to treat other people like that, to do that for them. And that's especially hard when you don't feel like it, when, you don't, when you've been hurt, when you've been mistreated by somebody. You feel like doing unto them as they did unto you. But that's not the way it works. He said, don't do to them as they did. Do to them as you want them to do to you. And so when you feel like using those angry, ugly, hurtful words, you restrain yourself. When you feel like lashing out and, and, and doing negative things, you say, no, I'm not going to do that. Because that person, as miserable as they are, is somebody that God actually loves just as much as me. It's somebody that Christ died for just as much as he did for me. So you choose your attitude and treat them with the grace, the grace that God has shown you. One more fruit of the Spirit I'll mention is be peaceful. Peaceful. I mean, th think about that. But Paul started pretty much all of his letters with saying grace and peace to you. If we just did our relationships with more grace and peace, what a difference. So let, let's look at some qualities of building good relationship Paul outlines in Romans 12. He says love, talked about that, must be sincere. So it's got to be the real deal, genuine affection. Hate what's evil, cling to what's good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves. So stop thinking about yourself and bragging on yourself and instead lift them up. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who curse you, who give you a hard time. Bless and do not curse. Don't curse them out. Instead, go against that and encourage them. Build them up, even the ones who don't like you. Rejoice with those who rejoice. So be empathetic. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. What a great sentence that is, right? If we all just live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. In other words, treat everybody the same. Don't be a snob. Treat people like individuals. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't do to them as they did to you. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everybody. And here's a key. If it is possible, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. All right. So you may not be at peace with everyone, but you do only what you can do. You can't make people live at peace with you. You can't control them or manipulate them into being peaceful with you. But you do what only you can do to be at peace with them. You bend where you can bend and you cooperate where you can cooperate and you accommodate where you can accommodate. But that doesn't mean that you become, you know, a doormat for people to walk on. and let, They steamroll over you and take advantage of you. That's not what love is. That's not what peace is. Jesus wasn't like that, right? Love's got a tough side to it. Not, not a mean side, but, you know, it stands up for what's right and good for everybody concerned. And sometimes that's difficult, which leads to the third thing I think he would say to us, and that's to deal with difficult relationships. If you deal with people, you're going to have difficult relationships because we're all messed up dysfunctional sinners and we're not, we're not there yet. So how do you handle those kinds of relationships? Well, first of all, you've got to just expect it. Expect disagreement. We're going to disagree. Even in the church, even among brothers and sisters in Christ, we don't always see things the same way and that's okay. You know, even Paul and Barnabas, these great men of God who were partners and co-workers in the gospel, they had such a sharp disagreement. You know, they split up. So if it can happen to them, it can happen to us too. Now the good news is God brought good out of it and it wasn't permanent. They reconciled, which means there's still hope for your relationship. 
But it's been said, look, we can disagree without being disagreeable. And that's true. But I don't like it when people disagree with me. I wish we, we were always on the same page and they agreed and they always liked me and everything. But I know there are going to be times when I let people down, when they have certain assumptions of me, they expect certain things of me, they want me to say a certain thing or do a certain thing or not do this or say, and they, they, they get disappointed and they might even leave the church over something like that. And what I want to do is I want to, man, I want to make, make it good if I can. I want to find common ground. But sometimes you just got to, Bless them and smile and, and let them go. And let them know the welcome mat's always out and if they want to return. And sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But you do what you can. You don't have to get all bent out of shape, get mad and upset and bitter over somebody who doesn't see eye to eye with you over everything. You don't have to break fellowship over non-essential matters. Is this something that's really going to matter a month from now? Or a year from now? Or in heaven? I think I'm going to be sitting around a whole bunch of people in heaven that I had disagreements with, right? And we're going to get along fine. And we can do that here too. But if that disagreement turns into conflict, then we've got to deal with it. We've got to resolve conflict. And I think a lot of Christians don't know how to resolve conflict biblically. And it trips them up and it messes. So, look, it's vital that you understand how to do this. Jesus says, look, you do all you can to settle the problem. But you do it without retaliation, which is you know, how the world deals with things, Right? He says in Matthew 5, I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other cheek also. And that just, uh, that runs so counter to human nature, right? But we are called to do exactly that, to handle conflict differently from the world. We're not going to return evil for evil. We're not going to do to them as they did to us. We're always going to take the high road, guys. You're never going to regret taking the high road. You're going to regret if you spout off and say a lot of things you wish you hadn't said. You're going to do a lot of things you wish you could take back and you can't. You'll never regret taking the high road. And take it to God first. Pray. Pray for wisdom. As Jesus said, pray for those who persecute you. He did that on the cross, didn't he? So... Let's look at a passage where Jesus instructs his disciples on how to go about repairing a broken relationship with a fellow Christian and to do it God's way. Matthew 18, he says, if anyone, if another believer sins against you, not just disagrees with you, has a problem with you, but sins, does wrong against you, here's what you do. Go privately and point out the fault. And if the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person over. All right, great, settle because if, if I expect to have a healthy relationship with everybody, I'm going to be willing to resolve the conflict right away. Don't let it simmer. Don't let it keep going on and on. Deal with it right on the spot. But, but if you're unsuccessful, take one or two others with you. Go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. Been there, done that. It's a very wise thing to do. If that person still refuses to listen, now you've got to elevate it. Take it to the church. And if the church decides you're right, but the other person still won't accept it, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. In other words, if that person is so stubborn in refusing to admit they're wrong and repent of that, you got to take action and, and involve other people in it. So find a couple of other wise, objective, mature Christians who can act as mediators and witnesses and get it taken care of. If it still doesn't work, take it to the next level. Take it to the church leadership. And if that doesn't work, it's all, it's all you can do. It says have nothing to do with them. Why? Because they're refusing 
to reconcile, to repent. I mean, they're not acting like a Christian anymore. They're not acting like a brother or sister in Christ. And that you can do all the right things and go through all the right channels, but there's no guarantee you're going to resolve the conflict. So you've got to be willing to do what you can do and then just drop it and go on with life. We're called to be peacemakers, to do what we can to remove the obstacle of hostility. We're not called to be peacekeepers who just kind of sweep it under the rug, pretend like it never happened. No, we've got to deal with it and to have a, a spirit that's willing to forgive when there is repentance. If they, if they say, I'm sorry, you welcome them right back in. See, the, the mark of, of unity in the church is not that we never disagree or even have conflict, but that we have a reconciling spirit that we're willing to forgive. Now, let's face it, a lot of the problems and issues we deal with are pretty minor. They can be kind of petty, and so we're not going to get into it over those kinds of things. We can overlook those things, can't we? We're not going to nitpick and get all bent out of shape over all those little things that aren't worth it. Because Peter says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. You see, sometimes people are just going to do stuff that rubs you the wrong way. They're not meaning to be hurtful or malicious. And so you've got to assume the best, give them the benefit of the doubt. Because love prospers. This is some ancient wisdom from the Proverbs. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven. But dwelling on it separates close friends. Isn't that true? So look, if, if you can't overlook this, if it's a serious enough conflict that it's creating a rift, a serious rift between you, you've got to be caring enough to confront the conflict. You go to them privately. Again, you don't spread it. You don't, you don't get your squad together and start a war between factions. You know, you, you deal with it privately. And it doesn't matter who started it or who's even at fault. You can be the one to go first and say, let's get this worked out. Let's make this right. And you try to see it from their point of view the best you can. James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. That's some good advice there. Because arguing takes two people, and there won't be an argument if you don't give in to, to all that kind of nonsense where you start really arguing. You say, I'm not here to argue. And you consider, you know, if, if you have any fault in this, really examine it. Did I do anything wrong? Go ahead and, and humble yourself and admit it. Don't wait to, for them to admit they're wrong first. You take the first step. And don't bring up the past. And don't present a new problem. You deal just with the problem at hand. And you don't deal with it based on unfounded accusations. You ask them firsthand, what did you say? What did you mean? What did you do? You know how that gets all bent out of shape when it gets passed along second, third hand. Or when we're doing the texting and emails and we're reading in and your tone of voice. And this is what, and I know what you really meant there. And you said that, but I know what you mean. No, you take them at their word and you don't insult them you don't cuss them out no name calling Ephesians 4 says instead speaking the truth in love here's where it relates to us we'll all in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ so even if they're doing that to you you continue to be Christ-like gentle and kind and full of grace and then you grow you grow through that now the final step in all this we can't leave it there we got to practice reconciliation 
Because God doesn't allow us to discard relationships that don't make us happy like they're disposable things because these are people that he loves and matter and they're valuable. And so do what you can to reconcile if possible. Do something about it if you can. Don't be content to let that hostility or that avoidance keep you separated. Because Jesus came to reconcile us to God. And when he does that, he reconciles us to one another. So in the church, we ought to be showing the world how it's done. Christ's death has overcome every barrier that separates us. We are now family. We're family. So we got to deal with it. And even if we're dysfunctional family... Look, we share something deeper in Christ that creates a unity than anything in this world because we've got a peace with one another because we have peace with God. Now, Jesus at one point was addressing his Jewish listeners about how to, uh, to deal with, with somebody you got a problem with. And he says, look, reconciliation with others ought to come before you commune with God. And he's talking about going to the temple in Matthew 5, if you're standing before the altar in the temple, you're offering a sacrifice to God, and you suddenly remember, oh, someone has something against you, what do you do? You leave your sacrifice there beside the altar, and you go, and you be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. And so how that applies to us today is, before you commune with God, try to do your best to get reconciled with somebody you've got a problem with. Try to restore the broken relationship. Can you take the initiative, humble yourself, do things the biblical way, and you may be surprised how much the, the apologies begin to flow and how the forgiveness begins to melt it all away. So develop healthy relationships, yes, to benefit others, but also to grow yourself. And often we don't have healthy relationships with others because we don't have a good relationship with God, right? you got to focus on that first. How's your relationship with him? Jesus came to be the peacemaker to reconcile us to God by offering his life in our place to forgive us of our sins. He wants to offer that to you. Have you made peace with God? Is he your father? Is he your friend? Have you been reconciled? If you haven't made that step, I'm going to encourage you to do that right now, to put your trust in Jesus Christ, to repent of your sins, to say, I'm sorry, God, and to be baptized into Christ, lowered in that water, raised up, because you're not only cleansed inside, but you're filled with the Holy Spirit. He changes your heart, and you're going to have a whole new way of thinking, a whole new way of living, a whole new way of seeing other people. So reach out. Let us help you make the best decision ever. Text your name to that number you see on the screen or email us, whether you're here or at home, it works. If you're here, you can meet in the lobby at the point with one of my friends or up here at the front after the service and they can answer your questions and pray with you, get you ready for your baptism right here today on the spot. We're ready for you even at home. We'll get you in here and get you baptized as soon as possible or do it right there in your home, show you how to do it, all right? So what do you need to get right with God? What do you need to get right with other people? Let's pray about that right now. Father, I want to thank you first for your, your love and your peace and your grace. And we want to be more like Jesus. We want to be more loving and peaceful and gracious. So, Father, give us opportunities to, to, have some good to choose some relationships wisely, ones that are going to be good for us, that our kids would have those kinds of relationships, Lord. Pull them away from ones that are bad for them. Lord, strengthen us. To, uh, to benefit others by practicing the fruit of the Spirit. And 
Lord, I got to believe there are, some, there are some damaged and broken relationships here and that you would start to bring healing. Let there be apologies and forgiveness and reconciliation. And, and I pray that people are going to respond right now to what you're convicting them to do. First to get right with you and then to get right with others. And that we would, God, build relationships with people who need your love. God, love them through us. Let us be a channel of your love and that these, these end up being redemptive relationships that lead them to Jesus because we pray it in his name. Amen. All right, so we're going to stand. And this next song is one that is all about what we just talked about. I can't believe this is what God did for me. This is what his love looks like. And this is what our love can look like for others. <laughs>